0: Test
1: one, two, test one, two. Okay, go ahead and say something, Corey.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at the scriptures here, everything coming in? Yeah. All right.
1: Go ahead one more time.
0: Yes, talking, and I'm reading, and I'm looking.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Hey, welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends coming together discussing the things of eternity. We uh, we are approaching five thousand listens, and that's really never thought that would happen when we started this. But um, you know, we are we're financing this as a ministry, and that's great. And we have not asked for any money. I just ask that if any of you have time this week, just copy the link in an email, send it to a friend, tell a friend about it, send it in a text message. Um, you can go to our our website and there's ways to share on there, more of you tech-savvy people, but just tell somebody about it uh, if you think that it'll be a benefit to them. Uh, My great joy is when I look at the hours spent that people have listened, is that that's an hour that Jesus' name has been mentioned. That's an hour that somebody's mind was drawn to the things of heaven, and that's an hour that hopefully God gets glory during the week and so, seriously, it, it is a source of joy that um, that we found something maybe that is helping people just focus on Him during the week, whether it's driving in their car, uh, running in the park, uh, sitting at their favorite study table early in the morning with a great cup of tea or whatever they want. Um, so, yeah, Facebook, uh, Restored Gospel Podcast. You can email us at Gmail, at Restored Gospel Podcast at Gmail. And, um, and just ask that you would do that. We have just finished up several episodes on eternal life. And I was thinking, this is what I was thinking this morning. We, we probably re-recorded that episode, I don't know, three or four times. Because it just felt like, it's like there's no easy way to get through that notion. And then I, I just kind of sat back today and I was just kind of chuckled and thought, <laughs> we're talking about our God and our Creator and living in this eternal existence with Him, there's no. And, I mean, you can't wait through that in an hour and try to present it in like this. Okay, I understand the package. I mean, I, right. I, I, I took right. microbiology for six months or whatever. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, us fools. Yeah, yeah, but I, I just you know, it's probably something that I'll listen to several times. And I really, I, I think it was good just to talk with you and look at the plan. But I, this morning, I was thinking, Corey. And I did, What do you think about the word glory when it comes to God? Because when he says, Jesus talked a lot about glorifying the Father, right? Mm. Bringing glory to the Father. Did he, did he, or didn't he? I thought he did. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but the word when you glorify somebody else, are you like, are you like shining a light? Like if I wanted to glorify, you know, I picture myself, I want to glorify Corey. Here's, you know, a couple flashlights in both hands and I'm shining in it and lighting him up. And, or, um, you know, you know, I, I think of the times when it used to be, you know, that the, um, the guy would run for a touchdown and would say, Hey, mom, or whatever on the video, you know, right. to, to bring glory to his parents. Or, um, I, I, I was just thinking this morning because God says it's his work and his glory, and we skip over mm. maybe not skip over, but uh, we rush through that scripture a lot to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life mm. of man. But, mm. but when you stop right there and think, This is my work, well, we what we did was we just spent four four plus weeks talking about that work, like maybe not talking about how he does it, but but maybe just the process of that work or um, how it looks, how that work looks, where people are resurrected and where they have this time of learning and um, when they come forth from the dead that we don't remain in the grave, all those things, but the mm. work. Is that different than the glory, or is is it uh, you know tied together? Is it important to even understand? I, I, I the reason I bring that about because I read somewhere in section seventy six something jumped out at me this past week again when it said something about um, the work and the glory of man, but it, it was it was it was clearly using that word glory as a process and not as this. Place where you go and live in a glory, oh, or like right. the celestial glory, is like this hotel or this place, this destination. Right? That right, wasn't right. it at all. It was right. more of a a process. So let me grab my yeah because it says
0: right. It's it's you know, section seventy six is full of that word glory. It's like we right. saw the glory of the celestial, or the
1: glory of the terrestrial. But we talk about it as the glories as as, as, as a destination. right? These places yeah. are uh, so. But that's why. What do you think about that word glory though? And, well, I, I looked at What do you know it. about it? I don't know. One of the, you know, it's like
0: you want scripture to define scripture. And mm-hmm. I think glory is used in different ways. Like one one of those scriptures, even in section 76 says, let no man glory in man, but let him glory in God. So, you know, like, what does that mean? All, coming back to the Doctrine and Covenants, there's a, is it section 90 or 91? Somewhere it says, the glory of God is an intelligence. Yeah, it's in uh Doctrine and Covenant, section ninety, uh, verse six a, the glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. And light and truth forsaketh that evil one. That scripture has meant something to me that, you know, and and this is kind of my working definition that if we if if God if God is I don't know if it means if God is glorified by intelligence or light and truth or light and truth are the things that are His glory. I don't know, but I, I do. Think if we want to glorify God, somehow we have to respond to light and truth. Uh, you know, in in that we have to um, take knowledge that it gives us, take learning, and and then use that to guide our lives, and and that somehow glorifies God. That that's one way of glorifying God. Now, but when we talk about the glory of the celestial, I, I don't know some some of that makes me feel like it's just like He was wowed by the vision. It's like wow, this. Place mm-hmm. was shining and bright, and it was cool, and it was beyond my word, So
1: it was glorious, you know. Glorious. We use that word, right? I wanted, and we'll go wherever we need to go today. If just for a couple minutes, I just wanted to talk about that word because look at the different ways it's verse five. I I'm in seventy six, but paragraph five. I says, "Let no man glory in man, but rather let him glory in God." So there is a different context. So let no man glory in man. Let what does that yeah, it's mean?
0: It's like a, a verb thing there versus a noun versus I
1: don't know. But let him glory in God who shall subdue all enemies. So so don't don't get all uh, happy and joyous over what man does. Don't get all uh, you know prideful over what man does. But get get behind the work that God is doing. Let him glory in God who shall subdue all enemies under His feet. It's like. We want to we want to be with the best football team or whatever mm-hmm. you know, and when they win the football game, even though we don't know one player on the team, we glory in that uh-huh. team, right? But right. he says, "Don't glory in men, and what hurt, glory in God who shall subdue all enemies under His feet." So maybe that's one thing is like you want to be on the winning team. You want to look look for the winner. You want to look at what the triumph is. Mm-hmm. It, it comes in God, not anything man's going to do. I don't know. Is that? Mm-hmm. But then you turn around in in the very next not too much farther down it says they're just talking about the bodies of those that have, are coming back their bodies celestial whose glory is that of the sun so it's it's whose light re- being reflected right. within them is that of the sun right that's why i come back
0: to the doctrine of and saying hey it's light and truth so that's why in this vision in section 76 they're seeing these people and they're just seeing the light and truth these guys had more light and truth you know it's like mm-hmm. they were
1: shining because of it You know, it's neat, in verse 6 it says, these are they who receive of his glory, but not of his fullness. So you can still have the light of, um, there's a separation there. Yeah, and and those were the terrestrial, the people who have been in the prison house
0: coming forth. You know, it's like, yeah, they received of glory, but they hadn't experienced the fullness like the people who had been in paradise. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I think, part of the contrast. It just
1: seems like they're on their way if they have part of his glory. Right, they because
0: they're, they're in their first resurrection to come back in the millennium. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and it's like his work isn't finished until the end of the millennium. That's that's one of the things the section says is that, you know, my work isn't finished until I've overcome and I've perfected this kingdom and everything. And so,
1: yeah. I think that's one of the words that the Bible Project really dove into and looked at the definition way back when it's one of those words that sometimes we just, we skip over. But when you really start to think about like glory is just, it's this magnificence. It's, uh, it's this energy. It's, it's a state of being. Like when it says the glory of the sun differs from the glory of the moon, we're not just talking about, you know, brightness or heat units or, or things like that, but it's, it's existence. It's a whole, uh, it's the way it looks. It's the energy it produces. I don't know. Uh, I, I I wonder sometimes: is there even benefit in looking at a word and trying to understand it like that? Or because we the,
0: can only understand it in
1: our context of this life. Like when, like we said before, the Lord says it has a, you know no man can understand or comprehend, and then we spend the next time you know the next hour trying to comprehend something. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like, <laughs> with here, our mind, here's a, here, here's a good one. It's
0: kind of like you know, the, the debate of science versus religion. And I heard someone said this recently and it kind of stuck with me that, you know, we have scientists that are looking at the entire physical realm and, and they can't answer questions like where did consciousness come from and where, where, how is it that we can Mm -hmm. think and all this stuff, you know, they want to define everything in terms of physical matter in terms of, well, you got it because your, your genetics and memories, you know, how is that, how does that work? Well, that must be stored in little neurons somehow. We don't know how it works and all this, well, well, it's kind of funny because Science wants to study the physical world around, and yet they explain it all, and then they say, well, hey, if if there was a miracle, we'd believe it, but show me a miracle. Well, they claim that all of this being, all of this universe, all of this physical realm came from nothing. I mean, there's your miracle right there. You know, and they, they affectionately call it the Big Bang Theory, you know, that somehow all of this just, poof, started from nothing. I mean if if that isn't a miracle what is because you can't explain that i mean i couldn't i couldn't say hey i'm going to create this this book and put it on my desk out of nothing everyone would think hey you're a fool you can't do that but yet they somehow all have agreed that this entire realm was created from nothing with no explanation as to right. why. And so so we we dive into all these little things trying to study them and it's like you say, you know, can we even define the word glory? No, we we can't even define how this realm got here, you know. And so God is something greater and bigger outside of this realm and so anything we would do would be incomplete in trying to describe it. But I don't know, I'm just kind of fascinated by this that this whole existence, you know, whether and it's not just atheism and it's not just science, but people who who just don't believe there's a God yet somehow are willing to accept the fact that all this came from nothing, you know, how mm-hmm. can that be? <laughs> mm-hmm. How can that be? And, and yet, and then, and at the same time, it's kind of, you ever watch one of those, you know, uh, police shows cops or something like that, where you got the guy in the helicopter and you got the the bad guy and he's running and, and, and the guy in the helicopter is above all watching everything. And, and you see that there's, three or four police detectives in their cars and they're closing in on this guy. And suddenly the, the bad guys, you know, going the wrong way down the one way street. And then he's, he's jumped the barrier, you know, and then he's turned around the other way. And then he he crashes into a barricade and then he's out on foot and then they let the dogs go and they bring the guy down, you know, take down. And it's like the whole time you're watching this thinking, why doesn't the guy just give up? You know, he's <laughs> he's not going to make it. You can see, you can see every, everything going on. Well, I kind of think that in our life here, we, 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 we keep, living this life we're like running, like, you know, people acting like, oh, there's no God, there's no this. I, I can, ju- I'm just going to get away with everything. It's like, no, we're not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's like this guy in the helicopter. He's seeing it all. He he knows the end. This bad guy is going to get taken down. And I guess, I guess yeah. we all sort of face that end in the end. You know, we want to pretend it's not going to happen and it's going to happen. You know
1: what the, the funny thing is, is that never gets old. I don't know how many <laughs> YouTube videos or, or you're flipping through the channels and it's like, I know how this is going to end, but I'm going to watch it for the thousandth yeah, time anyway because yeah. it's still fun to watch. Somebody <laughs> it is. Get, it yeah. is. But it's like that's our that's
0: the end for all of us. Ultimately, is we're right. going to meet our creator and we're going to meet the guy who was able to create everything out of nothing, the things we couldn't explain, and and somehow. We're gonna realize that man, he did something so much bigger than anything we could comprehend. By saying no, I'm gonna enter into that world and be one of them mm-hmm. to to pay a price that they couldn't pay, so that they can be here with me again and see what this is all really about.
1: You know, it's uh, we're recording for our for our audience. We're we're recording early in the morning today, not as early as re- not super early, but early in the day. And we did the last couple episodes that, uh, and it's been different. For me, because I don't have the whole day ahead of me, you know, all of the things that happen to us as we go throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And so waking up and having my mind uh, being on the Lord and still being able to to come and talk with you about the things of eternity. And um, by the way, I realize we haven't, we haven't reminded our listeners in a while for those tuning in, uh, kind of what we say is we're two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. Mm-hmm. And we just invite you into that conversation. Uh, what Corey and I are not is we are not like the Bible Answer Man or the Book of Mormon Answer Man, where um, you know where people give us questions and we and we attempt to give the the final authority or answer. We are just two friends that love to discuss the things of eternity and our God. And we and I find by doing that more often than on a Sunday morning, like throughout the week, um, that um, it just draws me into His presence and. Mm-hmm. Corey and I would meet together several times a week just to talk about the Word of God on our own, and we decided, why don't we start recording those conversations? And so, yes, we're always aware that the headphones are on or the mic is running, but um, we are trying to be more and more not aware of that and just to maintain that original conversational tone. Right. So yeah. I forgot where I was going now. Oh, so <laughs> so I woke up this morning and my mind was drawn to a couple of things. One was that was that word glory about my work in glory. And trusting in God and I was taken back, Corey, because we just talked about eternal life for four, you know, four plus hours and, and probably pretty heavy for our, our listeners. It was really heavy for me. I hope people go back and just listen over and over and use their scriptures and just think about things. That's all we, we just want you to think about God and his plan for you. I was thinking, how how do we trust in a God and what does the scriptures say to us? How do we interpret those scriptures in order to completely trust in our Father and exercise faith in Him? And for whatever reason, this morning I was back in that town of 1,400 people that I grew up in in Ohio. Corey, mm. we had a um, we had a little public swimming pool about four blocks from my house. And um, when I was a kid, it didn't seem like it was that far. Um, it, it really wasn't that far. But we, you know, I would walk out the front door and walk four or five blocks down to the local swimming pool and. I remember, I can't believe I have this memory still, but it came to me this morning um, of my mom and dad taking me down there. And I still remember my dad and my mom standing in the swimming pool, and I'm on the concrete, you know, the concrete Mm -hmm. ledge with my toes just barely in the water. Mm And they're wanting me to dive into this, just jump into this body of water, Mm. right? And they swear they're going to catch me. They, (laughs) we're going to catch you. And 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 just being at that age of whatever I was, four or five, and knowing that my mom and dad loved me, and that you know, as far as I knew, they hadn't lied to me other than. Found out later there was no Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. And <laughs> no. that, was a, that was a tragic <laughs> night. I, I found uh, <laughs> out that, that actually uh, road are fa- or Coyotes are faster than Roadrunners. Right. And my, my whole childhood was crushed. You <laughs> <know>? <laughs> yeah, so apparently the lies were going on at this time. But um, I, I wasn't aware of it. Anyway, so here I am on the side of that swimming pool, and they're telling me to jump into their arms. And I remember that first leap was so scary, mm. even knowing – the character and that these are the people that put food on my plate and Mm -hmm. tuck me into bed at night and drive me to the dentist and you know say prayers with me on their knees and i had no reason to think there was anything but goodness and kindness in their heart for my well-being and yet i was sure they were going to let me drown in that water if (laughs) i jumped right wow and so i finally took that leap and jumped into their arms and, uh, yeah, there was a big splash, but my head never went under the water. Mm. And here I was. And they would very, you know, they taught me to swim and would let go and little. And it was a terrifying thing. But at some point, I had to exercise faith in them that they wouldn't mm. let me die. Mm. That to me is why the whole discussion on eternal life is important. And maybe some people, that's not their thing and they don't think about it in that way. And that's fine. But, um, I want to know and I want to be able to trust in my God and um and know that he is mighty to save me and and as we've stated many times I don't need saving from I don't need saving from a bunch of uh, sins you know and a bunch of wrongs that I've done in my life and and uh, just knowing that he's going to forgive me for those but what I need saving from is that you know I choose darkness a lot mm-hmm. I choose the wrong path a lot I mm-hmm. choose to give into the flesh a lot and so I need my heart to be at a point where it really doesn't want that. And this morning, Corey, I was really rejoicing because I had just a brief moment, you know, about a week or so ago, I, I posted something on a Facebook and, uh, about a, a brother in Christ that I don't really know personally. I don't know if we even ever met personally, but we've enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed things that he shared on, on the internet about the Lord. And uh, I think he's enjoyed what I've shared, but, uh, but, uh, I took something he said the wrong way and maybe asked him about it. Anyway, this big thing ensued and, um, uh, apparently I offended him. And, um, so tried to make that right. I don't think that relationships restored. And, um, I thought, well, I've done what I've done and I'm going to go about my business. But this morning I was really thinking, does that please your heavenly father? Mm-hmm. And have you done everything to please him? And, mm-hmm. and, um, I was glad that I thought about it in that way because I spend most of my time worrying about pleasing the people around me in Mm -hmm. my immediate circle. Yeah. But I was happy that my faith maybe had increased and maybe it's just earlier in the day, like we said, and the world hasn't had its impact yet today, but, uh, but I don't know that I've done that. And so that's something that I need to do in -hmm. my life just for one simple fact. And that's about bringing glory to God and doing what I was created to do. And, um, and if I need to go even an extra step or an extra mile farther than what I've already gone, um, the only thing to stop me from doing that would be my own pride. Right. Yeah, I mean, really, really. I mean, if, if it's a question of, well, you've done what you've needed to do by the letter of the law or you haven't done it, hmm. if that's still a concern in your mind, then why not go farther? Right. The only thing stopping you is your own pride or right. fear. Right, because you
0: take a hundred percent responsibility for what maybe your responsibility, whether or not the other person does or even knows. But mm-hmm. I I know a guy who once had some similar situation where there was just some friction between him and someone, and years went on, and 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 this always bothered one of the two people, and it was like it stuck in the back of his mind, and it was like I, he it was like twenty something years later, and this person hadn't forgotten that there was an offense. And he, he hadn't seen this person or talked to him in years. And it was just like kind of a casual thing. It's not like they were family members or something. But then he he somehow, I think it was, he said at had a church service or something like that. And he sees this guy, and he hasn't seen him in a couple of decades. And he decides, you know what, this has always bothered me. I'm going to go up and just ask forgiveness for this thing that happened years ago. And so he does that. He finds this guy, he meets him after church. He says, hey, I just, you, you're th- going to think this is crazy, but I just want to, really apologize for what happened back then. And the person's listening thoughtfully and just studying everything he has to say. And after he goes on for two or three minutes, apologizing, he said, okay, and, and your name is again, you know, it's like, <laughs> so the other guy hadn't even remembered the offense, but you know, it's kind of, it was a humorous situation and for him anyhow, because he'd carried this burden, but your point's a good one though, that, you know, we have to do what's right. And And I heard someone recently say this and it put a perspective on it. You know, if you could go back to the year 2000 and say a year before 9-11 happened, you could go on the 100th floor of the World Trade Center and talk to some people there who had no idea what was going to happen in a year, mm-hmm. what would what would your sermon be that day for those people? And and you couldn't tell them what was going to come. Would would you simply you know? Wow. You know, think think about that. I it made me think. Of, and I just heard this recently, but ever since then I've I've thought about what are our messages we share. It. W- wouldn't you tell some of the people exactly what you said? Hey, spend some time making sure your relationships are right. You know, get you know, take some time, spend that time, do do things, work things out. You know, if you can. Um, would would you just go on and kind of glibly tell people, oh, well, you're going to have a wonderful life, you know, no issues. Now, you could emphasize the happiness of eternal life and the promise that we're going to be free from this body of sin and all that. But, you know, you just think about what, if you knew that, if you knew that what was going to happen, because you think about it, Jesus knew that in every sermon. He he preached what was going to be the end of each person listening, how many heartbeats they had, how many mm. breaths they had. and And I heard this statistic along with that is that, 54 million people. Now I'm not trying to get too, too low or, or depressed on this thing, but 54 million people die annually in the world. 54 million out of the seven and a half billion or so alive. I mean, you can do the math on it, but you know, if 54 million people die each year, there's a steady stream of people finding out about the afterlife, you know, pretty quickly. And so what, what do we want to do with our time? What do we want to do with our relationships in the meantime? And it's not like, cause we don't know when we're going to die. That's not really the point. It's just that it helps put things in perspective, you know, when you consider that, what are the priorities we should have? Well, it should be about our relationships, I think, and it mm-hmm. should be about our attitudes and it should be about walking the walk.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I, I did some thinking last night and this morning about why would you want to go and, and pursue this issue? Um, is it because you're worried about what people are going to think about you? You know, I, th- I was trying to check my heart, you know, right? because I'm sure this um, restoration circles are small, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> everybody mm-hmm. knows somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I was thinking about that word glory, and it wasn't, and Corey, it's not just me thinking about it, and all of a sudden, yeah, I th- maybe I'm more righteous today, but I believe because we spent time in the Word looking at these things that that's something in my heart, just clicked and it was like, I just want to glorify God by doing Mm. what he created me to do. And I want to find satisfaction in that. And I, and I cannot control where the chips fall, but yes, but, um, you know, there's a time for triumph and everything. What if this brother and I, you know, reconcile and then those that saw, be stronger and not only that, but to let uh, the saints know that hey, you know, this is not acceptable and we're not above the law. And and as ministers and and shepherds of the flock, we're called to lead. Yeah. And um,
0: I th- I think those are powerful things from the Lord when He wants us to reconcile because you know He 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 taught us about relationships and he he taught us about what what you're saying too that what you just said about where the chips fall, you know, you, you do your part and, and sometimes that ultimately means, you know, Hey, I'm willing to suffer, uh, take on shame. I'm willing to, to take the the high road or, or, or do the harder thing just to do the right thing no matter what else anyone's response is, you know, and and that's, that's important. Um, years ago, I had a conflict with, with a friend and, and brother who, it, it, it was—I can't even remember what it was over—but there was tension, and I—I I carried this for a while. And I remember um, going to a church service, and this was really weighing on my heart. And I stood up and I—and I just was sharing in testimony. And it was like a Wednesday night service um, that I just felt really bad about this relationship that in my life was just broken in the moment, and and I wanted to heal. It. And as I'm sharing this this person I had the conflict with actually walks in the church service. And I, I wasn't even expecting that. And here's, here's me kind of confessing this. And it was like, that was a good thing because it just opened the door. And after the whole service, you know, we hugged in and forgave, frankly forgave. And it was so much stronger. There was never a conflict ever after that, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. it was really good. But, but I felt like there was a reason the Lord put it on my heart right then and there to, to share. And when I did it just like, wow, it, I didn't know what it was about to transpire, but the fact that it did, healed everything. Wow.
1: Yeah. I feel like today, um, just de uh, once well, debriefing from the, the decompressing. last four, decompressing from the <laughs> last four episodes of some pretty deep theological episodes. And, uh, there's been things on my heart. It was something else, Corey, my wife and son and I went to a concert, um, about two weeks ago. It was a Friday night. And, um, there's a couple of artists that I've really come to like over the years, um, some great songwriters, and they're known in the Christian circles, but probably not on Top 40 Radio. And they had come to this little tiny place in um, Kansas. There was only probably 100 of us there. you know. And, and I walked in, and, and the one artist was about – I about hit her with the door when I walked in. She was at the merchandise table, and uh, – I just, I'm like, Hey, it's Taylor Leonhardt. <laughs> you know, like, can I get a picture? And she's like, yeah, can I put my stuff down for <laughs> you know, I, was, right. I was like the total geeked out. And, yeah, uh, right. But her and Jess Ray, the songwriter, uh, which interesting, one of my great, great, um, idols. And, um, uh, I wish I wanted to say mentor, but we've never talked other than once when I met him in a coffee shop. But, uh, anyway, Andrew Peterson he, he mentioned both of these songwriters in the past week, and I felt so grateful that I was able to meet them and converse. Anyway, so we're at this concert. They've both formed this band called Mission House, and they are out uh, on the road touring just a number, maybe a handful of concerts. But what this came out of was they were both from Carolina. I don't remember, north or south, and they wanted a greater sense of community. And so, uh, being tied together as both musicians and coming to know each other, they decided to have a dinner, come together and just make a meal and invite a few friends. Mm-hmm. And this quickly um, grew to a handful of people to into the teens, you know, packing into this room to hundreds of people on Friday night that would come together and make mm-hmm. a meal and just sharing community and focus on Jesus and their talk and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, even though they both had solo careers for some time, they found that they were they were writing some songs that they didn't have a place to share these songs with, and they were more like prayers and meant to be shared as a community, rather right. almost like hymns sung together or experienced together, rather than I'm gonna put this on and listen to it in my earbuds, you know, and, and be ministered to. Right. And so they decided to form this band with some friends and go out and they made an album uh, by called Mission House, and so it was interesting during this concert, I think it was only the second or third one, they said, we're still trying to figure this out, they were mm-hmm. real, and, and we don't know what this really looks like, but if you want to sit here tonight in silence and just listen to the words, and that's where you're at, do that. If you want to stand up and hug the person next to you and listen, do that. If you want to sing along, do that. And, mm. and she said, I know it's hard to get someone to stand up, so I'm going to ask everybody to stand up <laughs> first of all so no one has to do it alone, and then just find your place, you know. But the words were—they were beyond the praise music, you know. Yeah. He is great. There was there was more depth to him. But I closed my eyes and I was listening to the words, and they were prayers. But they were very focused on Jesus, you know. They said things like, you know, you know. I, sometimes I choose the wrong things, but where else am I going to go, Lord? You know, you are there. And as you as your body and, and your mind are focusing on Him, I had all these thoughts going through my head, Corey, like. I bet some people come to these things and they raise their hands in the air and this becomes their religion, you know, and they're having an emotional experience. And then I thought, what do you do every Sunday? You go to church, you sit in the pews, you listen to a a, a person speak about things of the kingdom, and then you go home, you do the same thing every Sunday. Has that become your religious Mm -hmm, experience? mm -hmm. And then what does it mean to really worship God and just the need that we have to worship and meditate and to be infused with the Holy Spirit, Mm. because I think we still think we're going to change ourselves. And really what we need to do is open ourselves up and allow him to change us. Mm. And so for that night, even though I was in this room with nobody else that as far as I knew was a baptized member of the restoration, other than my wife and my son, I said, I'm just going to try to focus on Jesus tonight, Mm. sing these songs think about what these people are trying to do with, with one thought in my mind that Jesus loves. Man, hmm. yeah, this, <laughs> this hasn't happened yet on the podcast. As far as I know, anyway, got a little emotional. Jesus loves. Hmm. Everyone in that room, yeah. you know, as so much as he loves me. Mm-hmm. And so just wanted to worship, wanted to, uh, allow his spirit to do what it what it needs to do in each one of us and so it was a it was an interesting night because it was not I was out of my comfort zone you know I was talking with my son on the way home and I said what would you what would you think if that was like if we did that at colburn road you know where I go to church or yeah. and he was like I don't know I said I said what I mean is what you know what would that be like to experience that with people you go to church with every sunday mm-hmm. um and just asked him about it and what he thought and um I'm not saying And I don't want people to think like that that's what I need to do every week because I don't see that as the place either. But I, but what I like is at some point we have to look at ourselves and say, am I really worshiping God? Am I having an experience on a daily or weekly basis where his spirit is recreating me inside and transforming me Mm -hmm. Am I worshiping? Am I um, allowing him to move within me? And, not just a personal level, but if I take that out into a branch or a congregational level, am I going to a branch where that's an important topic? Yeah. Because we measure our success in the restoration, and I haven't really seen it change through the years by certain standards, and right. I don't know if those are the correct standards anymore.
0: I know you'd asked a question one time that's penetrated me, and it's it was simply, has your capacity to love increased? That's the... Uh, you know that's the measure ultimately, and I I don't know. You're right about the restoration. Um, I don't know the the ways we we measure. You know whether we're right or not. I I used to kind of look for keywords in a sermon to know if I was in the right church, or right congregation. Um, un- unfortunately, and this is maybe a little off topic, but I I heard a new definition of idolatry, and and you know someone had asked this question recently, and I was just listening, you know, what's the biggest sin in our country right now? And, you know, if you think about that, just our Gentile nation, uh, it could be the world or America. you know, you could start naming certain things, you know, you could say, well, it's, it's, you know, adultery or it's abortion or it's this and that. You you look at these things, but, but, um, I heard it said that the biggest problem is still the problem that we see in the old Testament times and throughout scripture but we don't understand the implications and it's idolatry. It's, it's, and it was sort of compared as I was listening to, you know, we've turned God into like, you know, when you go out to your favorite buffet restaurant and you see a lot of things on the buffet you don't want. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I don't want that green thing over there and I don't (laughs) want this thing. And it looks like mashed peas with mashed potatoes or whatever, but you, you pick the things that you want that make a sweet, tasty meal to you. And that becomes Mm -hmm. your meal. And, and that god somehow has be, become this and so in in the in the restoration in any church movement i think you you end up getting with groups of people who it's like at the buffet we we like to get these certain things off the buffet and that's what we want you know when when the real god is maybe bigger than all of that and then sometimes we might miss the most important things going for the things that we think taste the best and and you know i like what you shared about you know just the fact that you come to this realization that the Lord loved everyone in that room, you know, as right. much as you. And in that, when that, when that feeling penetrates our, our thick spiritual exterior, what kind of people do we become in response, you know, to, to the people around us, you know, mm-hmm. our home and our family, do we, do we become more vulnerable? Do we, are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to lay down our lives, you know, for other people? Right. Where Where does that take us? Because ultimately I think, and and this is one of the buffet items of the restoration is we, we assume that the final test when we stand before the Lord is that we're going to be judged over doctrine. And that's, you know, it's a doctrinal test and, you know, and then we take it to certain things like, you know, and, and coffee, that's gotta be on the test. And it's like, well, no coffee's probably not on the test. Um, when James writes, this is true religion, you know, undefiled to visit the widow and the fatherless in their affliction, right. you know, um, you find that the test really wasn't over doctrine. It's if you if you had doctrine, it's how did the doctrine motivate you to lay down your life, you know, and serve other people.
1: Yeah, you know, well, I want to I want to make sure for for those brothers and sisters that I go to church with and that I spend time with that you know I minister to. I am not putting down the restoration because I feel like it needs to be put down, you know, or because I'm angry at at it. It's the it's the religion, it's the denomination, it's the group of people that I grew up with. And so if I was in the Baptist church or in the um, Methodist church, I would hope that I would be asking the same questions, um, the yeah. same things. Yeah. Because, and, and I listen to um, you know singer-songwriters or podcasters or, or radio hosts of other religions, and they say the same things about their religion. They, sometimes they call it the church, but they're equally... I think we, we have to reach a place where we can ask questions in a group of people in a safe way where the people around us listening don't feel that their first response is to be, I'm wrong or, well, we're not special. or Because um, we, we've, we've, we have this burden of this chosenitis thing that we've talked about because of the way our church, our specific denominations come forth with the book of Mormon and revelation and priesthood and all of that being restored, that, um, we've had this, and I call it a burden of, you know, we feel like we have more knowledge or truth to share. And unfortunately, as that always does, like it did with the Israelites that can lead to pride and arrogance and, um, you know, all of those things that were the chosen people, we have a, a notch up on other people and so that's a that's kind of a burden, but I just I want people to know that when I think we we should look at where we're at in our relationship with the Lord as the number one um, priority. Weston and I uh, took a drive Sunday morning. We've been doing this. We get up an hour early and just spend an hour together and uh, listen to music and talk about the words. And and we played this song called "Losing My Religion." I think there was a popular song at one time, but this is by a Christian artist and. And the whole thing was was about coming to Christ and not coming to a religion or a way of worship or a set of experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds real, maybe new agey, like all I need to do is come to Christ. Mm-hmm. But not that at all, but, but that he's the number one thing is coming to his feet and sitting down at his mm-hmm. feet. And so just wanted all that to say. Uh, when when we say the restoration, that's because that's where I grew up in, but the questions and things that I think we explore is not to give the restoration a black eye or to kick it when it's down or anything like that, because I love the people that I know, and I love the the Word of God that I've been allowed to grow up with, and so we are not putting down, you know. You know, I, I studied
0: uh, some stuff in the Book of Mormon uh, some months back, and then it was the part in the RLDS version is third Nephi like chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in there where Jesus is, is there. And he's, he's speaking to the Nephites. And I realized that everything he speaks about in the first chapters is repeated in reverse order in the, in the end chapters of that section of scripture. And I, and I, realize, you know, we use this word chiasm, this, you know, where kind of the words are presented in, in reverse order to, to emphasize the point. But the center of the chiasm, if you will, was the entire civilization communing with Jesus, you know, life in the presence of Jesus. That was at the center of it all, was their experience with him. And and those, you know, when you when you consider that event, that everything in scripture led up, for those people to being with Jesus. That that is the point, what you just said of of all of this. It's to take us to his feet. And and so I've I've wondered, Mike, in the question you bring up in our existence right now, just I don't know that we have a ton of information, maybe it's more speculative, but what do you think what do you think worship looked like for the people, I mean you could start back with Nephi. You know, he has this he's living in old testament times, but he has this revelation, Jesus. You, you could take it all the way up to the point where the Nephites are with Jesus and they have this hundred or so years of just beautiful spiritual prosperity and no ill, no uh, vices in their society. What do you think worship was, was like then?
1: And and where do you think we do it right still and where do you mm-hmm. think we've we've missed it? Any mm-hmm. thoughts on that? I have a couple of thoughts. Let me let me share those. I won't take too long. Um I know another good friend of mine, my buddy, Tom, him and I have, uh, have talked a lot about worship and, um, you know, sometimes people want to change the bulletin and rearrange the bulletin, you know, or, and, or not have a bulletin uh, and yeah, yeah, or not have a bulletin mm-hmm. and, and people just show up and kind of at the last minute, you know, we'll quote, be led by the spirit and throw it together. I don't think that that matters as much as some other things. So I could tell you what I don't think. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to say it kindly. So, in when it comes to worship, I actually had this thought, Corey, after Sunday. So, when I showed up at church this past Sunday, because I had uh, because my good friend was teaching class for many Sundays, I would show up early, and make sure the projector was shut up, was 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 set up, and everything. Well, you know, we have somebody new teaching. I didn't know if they needed that, but when he showed up, I asked him, "Do you need the projector?" Yeah. So we went and we set up the and helped him, and that was. That was nice for me and my son to work, you know, and do that. And I thought that was a good part of my day, just just trying to be a servant to him. And I said, hey, any Sunday you need this, I'll set it up for you if, if we're here. Um, and then we went into the preaching service, and a good friend that I met up in Iowa was a guest minister and uh, a good brother of mine. Uh, I love reunions when I see him, when we come together and hug. And uh, he's my age, and just I love his family. He spoke, and he spoke and shared some great testimonies of the Lord uh, and how he had worked in his life. And and I was driving home thinking that was good worship to me. That was good to hear mm. God be glorified through his life. Mm. Uh, what he shared was uh, just spoke to my heart, and I felt like I uh, was closer or the Spirit had moved within me uh, as opposed to if I had stayed home. Now, that being said, that was the first 11 o'clock service I had been to in probably two months, for a variety of reasons, one was I was I was really trying to finish up the last semester in school, and I kid you not, I would drive separately. And as soon as Sunday school was over, because you were teaching, I wanted to be there. Uh, I would drive to the coffee shop and spend six hours writing papers on that day because I was you know working during the week. Uh, and then we had you know my cousin living with us; she was sick and just came home to be here. Um, that all being said, it'd been a long time, and I didn't really miss it, uh, to be honest with you. Mm. And so it was interesting to, once you stop doing something for a while, it was interesting to just kind of step back into that Mm -hmm. this Sunday. And it was a good experience. Um, So I'm kind of rambling, but that can be worship. But that concert the other night was worship. What was it like back then? Well, I mean, we know the Book of Mormon says they met together, whether to pray or to supplicate, which we know was to earnestly beg. Maybe that was a different kind of Prayer service that they had because they specify that as as separate from just praying. Right. Um, it says sometimes they would work in their fields. They'd come together. It sounded like and have a class or something, and then go back and work. Right. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I wonder too. You know, because like I don't, I don't know. I I think ultimately it comes down to ideals, the, the things that do exactly like you mentioned at the concert, the things that motivate your soul, that change your heart to want to serve better, to act better, to be better, or or to, you know, take close, a, a, an introspective look at your life, you know, look closely at it and examine
1: where you're at. Can I ask you a question? What, um, have you, have you been to reunions and things where you've had services and uh, prayer services and noticed that they were different than the services you have at your local congregation on any oh, side? Yeah. And if uh, so, t- why do you think that's different? Well... Uh, I think part of it,
0: sometimes the atmosphere, the fact that you've got a group of people that hasn't been as distracted coming from so many different directions mm-hmm. just to meet up real quickly. You've been together for a couple of days or a weekend or maybe all week or whatever. And maybe, maybe people's hearts take time to soften and open up. And then, and then in the end you end up with a service that, wow, I
1: remember that, you know, so. If you have time for your heart to soften and open up because you've kind of, you don't have your job, you don't have to focus on those things Mm -hmm. during the week, is that possible to maintain something similar, like similar to that during the week while you're still working a 40 hour a week job um, to have your heart soft? Just that aspect of it, is that possible? I think Mm -hmm. it is, but you have to be much more deliberate. Right, right. I think so. I think so. And I don't know that, you know, the reunion atmosphere
0: too, I think. I don't know. You, it's just sometimes just spending time with people, mm-hmm. you know, it's just having, having that time where you don't feel as vulnerable, you know, being open. And I think that's a hard thing, whether we're working or not, it's just hard to just come into someone's presence and just open up. Or if the per- person does, sometimes it's just kind of, it seems kind of weird like get, getting too familiar too quickly. <laughs> yeah. You know
1: what I mean? But, um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you another question. Um, People go to reunion uh, with certain expectations and probably looking forward to that moment in time, sometimes for a whole year. Yeah. Um, but they go there with certain expectations. Um, and that's what I think, as you're asking this and I'm pondering on it, I think that's probably one of the keys in worship is what is our expectation. I remember Zoe, when she came and shared her testimony, her stories of the saints, uh, Zoe Blue, she said when, when her parents were going through um, divorce and things that she would go to prayer services or things and people would stand up and share testimonies and she said, you know, like I lost my keys and then, you know, I prayed and I found my keys and she said those are great but but like what I'm going through is so much more than that right now mm-hmm. and like is anybody going to speak to like the spiritual battles that we're going through and and mm-hmm. uh, she had a need for that and I see like those same patterns kind of played out every Wednesday night. It's like we have a big prayer list and we 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 mention everybody that's physically ailing and I know at reunions, there's no time for that. It's it's a different focus. And so is there a way to switch our expectations and focus um, in our weekly coming mm-hmm. into God's presence? Because mm-hmm. I th- I think our expectations are different. Right. I don't even, if we even expect anything at yeah. all or give it a moment's
0: notice. Yeah. I, I can remember a time when, and, and this, you know, just be open and honest, you know, 20, 30 years ago where, everyone around me was convinced the world was about to end, you know, this week. And, and you'd sort of come to church kind of thinking, whew, I made it. You know, it was like there was this uh, relief feeling or, or because you didn't want anything to do with the world around you and you just felt like I just need to be with this, these people and this is it. And that, there, that was kind of good and maybe kind of bad in a way. I mean, you, you felt bonded to the people. You felt like, hey, we're the only ones who know or something. And I look back on that, though, and I, I feel – not that there isn't a timeline and a timetable for the Lord and His work and, and those things that we say are coming, whatever whatever all is, that means, but I feel like none of my worship in that time was preparing me to serve anyone else other than me, and I felt bad about that. I, I looked back and I realized I wasn't preparing myself, I wasn't preparing my mind. I was just kind of assuming, hey, the end is coming, and just wait for it to happen. And and I realized that in in whatever time we live in if our if our worship and our coming together doesn't somehow make us more equipped to to serve and and you know maybe some people feel like well that's just lifting a warning voice to other people well yeah maybe but but even in our families you know i just felt like families were becoming closed in to where they they didn't want their kids to get an education they were afraid for them to leave they were afraid for, for different things to happen and it was just like I don't know, my my worship wasn't feeling like it was helping me grow in Christ. It was just kind of like helping me build little walls around my own world. Mm-hmm. And I felt I felt like that was an injustice not only to me, but our whole our whole faith community because um we're missing the greater points of service in this life, you know, and, and the work we're supposed to do. Um I I don't know, I've I've told my kids, you know, from time to time, for instance, about just education. Hey, if if I knew the Lord was coming next week. Well, you're still going to school this week, you know, because education is a, is a way to glorify the Lord. You know, we receive knowledge, truth, wisdom, all that kind of stuff because it prepares you. It makes you a better servant for him. I mean, that's not, not to say someone has to go get a PhD in something. I don't mean that, but, but if you want to go for it, but, but the point is, um, that we never, we never lose sight of the principles at any point in time, regardless of what think our conditions or things that are changing, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where I feel like I look back on years of worship and, and realizing I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. And I, and I, I like, you know, it's kind of funny because you, you mentioned simply, you know, like people raising, raising their arms or something in worship. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I, uh, it's, it's not typically something you see in the restoration circles, but you go into a, the evangelical c- circles and it's, and it's there in certain places. It is certain places. It isn't. And it doesn't really matter. It's just the attitude of your heart. What does it cause you to do? That? The main thing is that, you know, none of that should be done just for show. And maybe in that moment, that's the only expression someone can have is they want to get on their knees, raise their hands. Good. Um, I've done that before, and it feels good and prayer, in prayer and private
1: times, not really in so much public. But I my, know I, I enjoy when you dance during the podcast. I do that. I, do that. I do that. I know. That, that's <laughs> like, it always brings happiness re- the side I re- to my heart. I'm, I'm
0: rarely seated in a chair, right? I'm dancing <laughs> around the room. But, you know, um, it's kind of funny. Someone told me once it was restoration worship where there was a song of praise being sung among the restoration group at their Sunday morning worship, and someone who was was there i don't know if they were a visitor or not, but they decided to to lift their hand during the song and and just you know in in an attitude of praise well. The, the the brother presiding during the service when the song was ending he he wasn't kind of familiar with that expression so he stops the service and says did someone have a question there in the back <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's so, a classic yeah it was pretty good
0: so um, restoration stories yeah it's, it's funny it's the attitude of our heart you know and that's it and if you do you do if you don't you don't know, you don't.
1: I, you know, Corey, how our own individual lives ebb and flow, and there's days when I don't feel like praying, or there's days when I don't feel like I want to even talk to God. You know, based on what I'm going through or whatever. Yeah. Now you take a, a family of four or five people, and they have ebbs and flows, and their relationships change, and then, and then you take your best friends, and sometimes those relationships change, and then you take a group of people that only. May only see each other once a week or once every couple weeks, and then they come together. And, like you said, you know, if if you just rush right up to that person and become too familiar and too vulnerable, it's just creepy, you know. And then (laughs) it's funny because, oh, the guy, um, the brother that was preaching, no, I was talking to this this, uh, lady's um, daughter saying in um, in Sunday, and they don't normally come to our branch, but uh, I said, yeah, just. You know, I've been. Um, I feel like I know who they are because I've watched them on Facebook, and I, you know, I was watching when you took your daughter. And I just step back. and go, I guess that sounds really creepy, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I, but that's where we're at. You know. Right. Anyway, you can't. You can't go full. And I'm one of those people that kind of probably opens up quicker than others. But anyway, you, you, the ebb and flow of our individual lives, and then you get a whole congregation of individuals going through that ebb and flow, and then um, we look at this this word or this this time spent together called worship and we it's it's an interesting thing because it's a reflection of that ebb and flow in a bunch of people's lives it's mm-hmm. also a reflection of tradition right and, and, and i look at tradition like that's not a bad word so we often like to use it, like in the context of thinking outside of the box. But, but like you said, um, raising your hands during a song becomes tradition. You know, mm-hmm. it's you can read in the Book of Mormon where people raised their hands, where people fell down on the ground, where people clapped their hands. Yeah. But I don't shouted, think that everything. you know every time Nephi preached, you know, he was up there, hey, <laughs> put your hands to the roof. You know, <laughs> right. it's it's that well, those were those were moments in time. But you like anything, every. Every denomination, every group has their own traditions, has their own, and yeah. that's why I said as as we were doing this and this mission house worship service, it was you know they said we're learning how to come into because they were bringing community to a different group of people that 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 weren't a community other than for those two hours that night, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yet what they had experienced together over um, time, I'm sure had very tight tice- tight and close knit relationships, but now they're bringing that into a different, and they said, we don't know what this looks like, and you know what, they may go out and do 10 concerts and find out at the end, like, well, that wasn't exactly what we expected, but I'm sure the Lord is teaching them, and and there's good moments there. Certainly, we had, and the neat thing was, like, after the concert, I mean, these are people that that play at the Ryman, at the Grand Ole Opry in Mm. in Nashville, right? Mm. And after the concert, like, we're going to just hang out, let's just, they're just, they want to be in community and they understand that's what's important. Right. Now that's cool. Right. But as far as us coming together on a Sunday morning, I don't think that just changing the bulletin or mm-hmm. saying, let's just show up and everybody, you know, whoever the spirits lead is gonna preach. That doesn't Right, yeah, I've heard of that too. But, but it really does come down to maybe if we wanted to put effort in some place, Kara said something, she goes, I wish we could get rid of Sundays for like six months or a year. And not not to be mean, but just to say, so that we can all step back and say, what is church? What is worship? What is God? What is relationship to me? If I don't have that, mm-hmm. that now, and Weston and I were actually discussing this Sunday morning, we said, what if we did that? I said, you know, some people would just probably they wouldn't have anything. It wouldn't. Yeah, there would mm-hmm. be nothing to go to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people would want to reach out and replace that time. And some people probably already are, you know, mm-hmm. meeting together. But mm-hmm. it's just, I think that's a good thought process, not that we would ever do that, but to ask ourselves what, what, what is a, but this morning when I was thinking about worship, it was really that, Need to be refreshed from a supernatural power, and that to me, that's yeah. what it comes down to. They
0: need to be refreshed, right? yeah.
1: One of the great uh, songwriters uh, that actually this Jess Ray redid re- was Keith Green way back in the day. He had a song called Rushing Wind, Rushing Wind Blow Through Your Temple, Blow Out the Dust. And it was all about the Holy Spirit coming into our own temple, as far as as, as well as a building and just blowing out all the dust. And that's what we need. We need that wind, that Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to just. Mm-hmm. Whew, Mm-hmm. Cleanse us, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I—I I don't know if, if when I go to church, I go feeling like, hey, I, I really need something. You know, I remember being young and seeing in the bulletin it would have the the different events during the day. You know, nine fifteen was pre worship, and then nine thirty to ten thirty was Sunday school, and then it, and they always said worship service at eleven o'clock. And I can remember as a child kind of wondering well what was the worship part of our service and i i wasn't knocking it it was just that you know was it the singing songs or was mm-hmm. it the listening part when did i feel like i worship and I, I just kind of look back and i think did i ever feel like i was doing this in worship or did i feel like i was going to learn you know and and so or or to be edified or or whatever and i i know that we use the the word worship and sometimes i feel like I don't know if I felt like I worshiped in a in a service. I felt like sometimes I was instructed or in that or learned or or heard. And so sometimes I wonder if I didn't feel like I worshiped was that my fault or was that my problem, you know. But I feel that no matter what and maybe this is more, you know, you mentioned people who look at the sp- Saying, hey, we need to be led by the Spirit. Therefore, no bulletin, and we're not going to choose anyone to speak until we get there. And whoever feels led by the Spirit is going to speak. Versus, you can go back 50 years in the church and the order of worship in most church services today. They could use a bulletin from 50 years ago, and it'll work because that hasn't changed. You know, you look at the order, and it's like it's a it's efficient. It gets things done. This um, thing do things need to be choreographed and planned? I don't know the end, or or do they need to be just done off the cuff? You, you can look at all those ex- spectrums, you can say they're all right or they're all wrong, but in the end, the point is, did you feel like you worshiped and your life changed? And if the people who are in charge of those services can't answer those questions, are we doing something to make mm-hmm. sure people's lives are changed by this? That's where you got to back up and, and look and see, hey, what are you providing and, and, and how are you presenting this? Yeah,
1: that's why I like... I like this question you asked, and maybe maybe we can carry this over to the next episode or not. Maybe It doesn't matter, but I like this question, Corey. But you know what I think what you just said is important is that um, we need to be able to have this conversation, and I think it would be profitable to have this conversation without – very seldom is it one thing, you know, and you can't legislate. The spirit no, to come no. in, but 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 I've just seen it too many times where one person will say, "Well, let's just get rid of the bulletin right. or whatever, and that'll right. solve it." Well, right. we show that that doesn't. But very seldom is the Holy Spirit. What did you say? Is is uh used to say this ultra was, polite, ultra polite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, I've heard Rich Mullins refer. God is very hard to get. You're playing hard to get. He had this play on words of mm-hmm. the song. It's it. You don't rush into his. Presence. Right. And so, very seldom does something like true worship um, is it just going to change because we make one change? It's 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 uh it's ordering our whole life and mm-hmm. it's a bunch of little changes. But to me, that's that gives hope because right. each one of us can find a job to make all of those little things maybe come together so right. that on the grand scheme of thing, this great family that comes together once a week that you know that's all going through their trials and ebbs and flows that somehow they can have that experience with the holy spirit that exactly. that um you know maybe not everyone but maybe 80% of them walk away I, I i know that there's been those services where you know the presider at the end would say well I, the lord's placed on my heart let's let's get rid of this hymn we're going to switch the hymns out and to us that's like wow that oh was my god so spirit filled right. and yeah. i'm not mocking that but that's but there are those times when we sometimes just switching the order for the sake of switching it isn't a bad thing because then it does make your mind Come out of that routine, like yeah. when we have the little kids march in with a candle and they're singing a song on a Sunday morning at the end of Bible school for our worship service. I mean, your heartstrings just that just pulls at you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's different because it's not the norm, and and so you're just you're out of that routine, and you're you're maybe you're able to feel or experience something different. So that's it has its merit, but mm-hmm. sure, hey, uh, I feel like. We deacon, do you feel like we decompressed a little bit? From- yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't so believe good. how quickly our time's gone by. This morning, um, we will. Uh, we- this was just it, man. This was casual conversation. We came together and we just this morning talking about what the Lord's placed on our heart. And thank you, every one of you, for uh, for joining us. Um, Corey, anything else? Final thoughts? No. Maybe we'll continue the conversation though. Thanks. Okay. Until next week, remember, brothers and sisters, we are walking each other home. Be good to one another. Be graceful to one another. Show mercy, just as your Father in heaven has done to you and to me, to each one of us. God bless.